All right, 1 Kings chapter 19, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read from verse 9 down through verse number 14. And uh, the sermon this morning will be New Year's related. Uh, let's, uh, I'll begin in verse 9, and then uh, we'll begin together in verse 10. The Bible says, And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah, together? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountain, and break in, pe- and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire a still small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering in of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. The title of the sermon this morning is just one word. It's a very important word. It's a powerful word. And it's the word resolved. Resolved. We need to be resolved in 2023 to be men and women uh, of God that uh, grow in the Lord this next calendar year. Let's pray. Lord, help us the next few minutes to be focused and, Lord, to have our uh, total attention, not just our mental attention, but our heart, our spiritual attention aimed at truth. Lord, guide us and help us, grow us today and help us to be men and women who go forth and surge forward in 2023. Be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I have noticed that um, the older I get, um, the faster time seems to move. Have any of the rest of you seem to notice that? And, you know, uh, you can listen to um, an audio book or a podcast at uh, 1.25 speed or 1.5 speed and, and two, two times speed. It just feels like the older I get, someone has moved the speed of the year up a little bit. Ready or not, 2023 is here. All right? We just celebrated April's 12th birthday uh, this past week. And it's hard to believe when we moved here, she was five years old. Five years old. And uh, she's 12 now. It's just, wow, where has the time gone? And Matthew will turn 14 this year. And I will turn 40 in about 12 months. And so uh, it is fast approaching, all right? And uh, where, someone find the pause button. With the coming of a new year comes New Year's resolutions. Um, I think that resolutions are a good thing, all right? I do. I, I think you ought to make some New Year's resolutions. I think that the start of a new year is a good chance for you to slow down and evaluate your life and see where you can improve. And um, I heard Pastor Andrew say this past year that 
if you write things down, you have a much higher chance of doing it than if you don't write it down. So write down your New Year's resolutions. Don't just tell yourself in your head or even tell someone out loud. Write it down, what you want to become and do uh, in uh, 2023. Um, But the reality is, writing them down or not, most of us don't stick to our New Year's resolutions, do we? Uh, we uh, we have all the best intentions, and then uh, somewhere along the way, the wheels come off the cart, and we're right back where we were. All right, um, some statistics for you. 18% of all gym memberships are added in the month of January. All right, most people that sign up in January stop going by March or April and stop paying in September or October. Um Diets that are began on January 1st usually don't last any longer than Valentine's Day. All right? That's just the reality. Okay? We, uh, we, we have the best intentions. And my birthday is um, in January, and so I am not going to start a diet and have to be dieting on my birthday. I'm just not going to do it. And so I wait for my birthday to pass, and if I'm going to start dieting, I usually wait till after my birthday's over there. Uh, commitment to church attendance. Uh, people decide, hey, in 2023, I'm going to be faithful to church. You know, whether you um, used to be faithful and you've fallen off, or uh, you say, you know what, I've not really gone to church much in my life, or it's been decades or years. I'm going to get back in. I'm going to go. I'm going to start going faithful. Even that commitment, if we're not careful, will fall off pretty quick. We mean well. We start off well. We go two, three, four weeks in a row, and then something comes up, and then something else comes up, and the next thing you know, we're right back out of church the way we were prior. Uh, In the past, I personally have committed to lose weight, go to the gym, break a bad habit, better communicate with my extended family, and I have seen uh, to let these well-meaning decisions fall by the wayside. Anybody relate with me? Am I the only one? Okay. And we've all been there, right? Where you've made a you made a commitment or made a decision or said I'm going to be better, and lo and behold, you end up not being much better. Come uh, March, April, um, at some point, I think at some point, many of us reach an age where we are like, okay, this is a broken record. I make New Year's resolutions, I don't keep them. Fooing on that, I'm not making any more New Year's resolutions. All right. Maybe you get to be in your 30s or 40s and you say, yeah, this is a waste of time. Um, but um, whether you are someone who makes New Year's resolutions or not, here's what I want to tell you today. Um, if you look, if you're uh, looking back over a short period of time, okay, look back over a short period of time and take note over what you've done and who you've been um, and, and you ought to try to make yourself better. And that's a good thing. But I believe that if you do not allow the Lord to fundamentally change you from within, then making a New Year's resolution is a waste of time. The Lord has to change you from deep inside here. Because if it's just built on your effort or some uh, emotion of the moment, it's going to fade away. The Lord has to change you. Whether that's over your eating habits, your church attendance, maybe you want to make a commitment to pass out gospel tracts this year or to be a witness for the Lord. Whatever it is, you're going to read your Bible through this year. You're going to spend time in prayer every day this year. 
uh, you're going to get involved in some area of ministry around here this year, if the Lord does not change you, if the Lord does not change you from within, it's not going to happen. That's just the reality of it. New Year's resolutions are great, but if God does not change you, then you're wasting your time to even try. So I want us to look at the life of Elijah, and specifically this story of Elijah here in 1 Kings 19. He's on the run from Jezebel. And I want us to see how it is that Elijah got his life back on track. And Elijah would resolve to finish his race strong. So from the time he leaves this cave, leaves this cave and this mountain, till the time God takes him on home to heaven, um, he finishes strong. He resolves to finish strong. Now, Elijah enters this cave in a very bad place, and he leaves the cave in a better place, and he runs the rest of his race resolved, and he does it well. What happened to Elijah in that cave to get him from being uh, someone who is exhausted and ready to throw in the towel and quit to being committed to sprint to the finish line? We want to look at that today, and I see four areas where four resolutions that Elijah made that I believe we can copy uh, here in this text. So let's hop in this morning and let me give you four resolutions that you can make that that, that fit in line here with the story of uh, Elijah. Number one, notice, resolved to reflect. Resolved to reflect. Look with me at verse number eight. Verse number eight of our passage. The Bible says, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of 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 that meat, Forty days and forty nights unto Horeb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So, how did Elijah get to this point? Well, you may remember that Elijah had, way back in the story, had walked into Ahab's palace and said to him, Hey, you are a wicked king leading the country into idolatry, and uh, you're, you're worshiping the idol of Baal or Baal, uh, the god of fertility, and you believe that somehow uh, this fertile God is going to bring great fruit and abundance. And you know what? Because of your idolatry and your sin, I'm going to pray that God shuts the spigot of the rain off and it will not rain until I pray. We'll see how strong your God is if your God of fertility can produce for you. And so he walked out of the palace, he prayed, and God shut the spigot off. And it didn't rain. And God put Elijah by the brook Cherith and brought ravens to feed him and uh, give him uh, food there and And then uh, when the brook dried up, God took him from the brook Cherith into another country unto a widow woman. And he lived in the home of this widow woman with her son. And God provided for Elijah there in a prophet chamber type setup, a separate apartment connected to her house. And each day God provided the food for them. And after three years of it not raining, God said to, to Elijah, Get yourself back to uh, Ahab, and we're going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel. And so sure enough, he marched back into uh, there, and Ahab said, It is he who troubleth Israel. 
And uh, Elijah said, I'm not the one that troubles Israel, my man. You are the one that troubles Israel because you have led the country in idolatry. Meet me on Mount Carmel. Bring your prophets because we're about to go uh, to a philosophical war. And sure enough, they show up and he says, okay, here's the duel. You build an altar and you put a bullock on your altar and I'll build an altar and I'll put a bullock on my altar. You go first. You call out to your God and call down fire out of heaven to consume that and I'll call out to my God and we'll see which God... God can send fire and no cheating allowed. And so sure enough, they spend hours dancing around and calling out to their God and fire does not fall. And then it's Elijah's turn and Elijah has water dumped all over that um, sacrifice, even as a trench dug around it and the water fills up that trench and Elijah prays a very, very short prayer. And at the end of that very short prayer, a fireball comes falling out of heaven and boom, not only uh, consumes the sacrifice, but also consumes the altar and licks the water up out of the trench. And uh, Elijah had challenged the Israelites. He said, how long halt ye between two opinions? Are you going to serve Baal or are you going to serve God? And uh, the people says it is God. He is king over Israel. And so they gather together the false prophets and Elijah kills off all of the false prophets. And then he goes on up to a higher plane there on the mount and he prays and prays and prays and a cloud the size of a man's hand begins to form in the sky and that turns into a torrential downpour and the spigot is turned back on and God sends the rain to Israel again. In the meanwhile, Elijah runs from the top of the mountain all the way back down into the city there and even outruns Ahab's chariot. And so Ahab, or rather Elijah, had this great victory from the Lord. Well, the very next day, Jezebel finds out that her prophets, Jezebel is the queen, Ahab's wife, she finds out that the prophets have all been killed. And that makes her very angry. And so she sends a messenger to Elijah to say, by the time the sun's down today, you will be dead, just like those prophets. And Elijah, exhausted from the last three years, uh, exhausted from the isolation of the last three years, he picks himself up in great distress and he runs and he runs and he runs until he can't run anymore and he collapses under a juniper tree and he sleeps and sleeps and sleeps. And when he wakes up, an angel is there by his side and an angel has prepared food and he eats the food and he sleeps and sleeps and sleeps and he wakes up and he eats some more food and then he gets up and he takes a 40-day journey to the Mount Horeb. Now, Mount Horeb is the same mount uh, where God gave Moses the law. In fact, it's the same mount where the Ten Commandments were given. And so he goes to that mount, the Mount of God, uh, the uh, Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, and there he is just uh, uh, ready to quit and throw in the towel. And so uh, God says to him, hey, man, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And Elijah um, was going here to a place where his Jewish faith had been articulated to Moses so that he could spend some time in great reflection. So let me give you an A here, an A to B here. Notice letter A. Notice my walk with God. So uh, from here forward, we're going to touch on the two topics that we looked at all year long with our series of Heart for God. And this will be one more push at that thought of uh, reflecting back on my heart for God and the two elements that make up my heart for God. So let's talk about my walk with God for a minute. As we look back on 2022, how was your walk with God? How was it? Did you read your Bible every day? All right, only you know that. 
Did you read your Bible every single day? Did you pray regularly? 2022, did you take time to pray uh, regularly? Did you consult the Lord on life's big decisions? Some of you may have had a job change. Some of you may have bought a house or bought a new vehicle. Did you consult the Lord on life's big decisions? How about life's small decisions? Did you take time to speak to God? Proverbs 3 says we're to acknowledge God in all our ways. Not just the big ones, but the little ones too. All right? As a young Christian, I used to question, where does the Bible directly say that I have to read the Scripture and pray daily? I wondered, why do preachers always say that I need to do that? All right? Um... Here's what I've discovered. The Bible does not say that we're supposed to read the Bible and pray every day. Or it does not say it's a commandment. Thou shalt read thy Bible and pray every day. But you know what the Bible does say? The Bible says you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'd ask you a question. If you love God above all, is it possible to go even an entire day without talking to Him and letting Him talk to you? It's not. You cannot love God with all your heart and not have communication with Him. Preachers and other Christians, we love to use the term walking with God. We've heard that phrase, right? I'm 39, 38 years old. I have heard that phrase my whole life. Walk with God. Walk with God. Walk with God. Um, Where does that term come from? Well, um, it comes from the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked with God. And you know what hurt their walk? Sin. When they sinned, God physically quit walking with them. And God does not physically walk with us anymore. But you still can walk with God. You can spend time in the presence of God. Now, we've talked about this this calendar year. But what does it look like when you go on a walk with somebody, right? Walking, going on a walk with someone is, is most of the time intentional, all right? I don't think I have gone on too many walks with people accidentally, all right? Usually it's on purpose. Hey, you want to go for a walk? Let's go for a walk, all right? And uh, my kids got bicycles for Christmas this year, and they're begging me to ride down to Booth Park. Mom's not quite ready to let them go by themselves, And so I walked while they rode, and we got to the park, and they rode around, and we talked and had a good time and communed and fellowshiped and uh, spending that time together. It's it's never, uh, uh, it's it's rarely, if ever, an, an accidental thing. And so walking with God is an intentional choice, is it not? And when you go on a walk with someone, what do you do? You do some talking, and you do some listening. And sometimes you just commune, your hearts commune, in silence. And that's what it looks like to walk with God. You're going to do some walking uh, and talking. You're going to do some walking and listening. And we ought to spend time in Bible reading. And we ought to spend time in prayer. If your walk with God struggled in 2022, it comes down to one reason. It comes down to sin. You didn't walk with God in 2022. It's because there's sin in your heart that prevented you from walking with God. You remember Adam and Eve? They sinned and God came down to walk with them. And where were they? They were hiding. And God said, Adam, where are you? He said, I'm hiding. And God said, why are you hiding? And he says, because I ate the fruit. And, oh, he says, because I'm naked. Oh, who told you you were naked? Did you eat the fruit? 
well, yeah, yeah. You know, when we sin, we don't want to walk with God because He's holy and perfect. And now we're, we're, we're staying with sin. And we don't want to commune with a God who's holy while we're not holy. And you see that is if you're walking with God, you're walking with God struggling in 2022, it may be that you have some sin to deal with so that you can get back to that fellowship. My walk with God. Let her be my work for God. My work for God. I know I've harped on this all year, and I, and I put these points in here on purpose because uh, we need to be reminded yet one more time of how important it is to walk with God and do the work of God. Now, of the two, of the two, walking and working, Elijah was best at the work, all right? If you're going to compare him to Mary and Martha, he would have been more of a Martha than a Mary. And as you read the story of Elijah in 1 Kings what you find is that he had totally given his life to doing the work of God. Totally given his life to doing the work of God. And as we are reflecting back on 2022, another question should definitely be asked, how, was my, how has my work for God been? Did I do the work of God in 2022? Now, a young Christian may uh, wonder, why is it that Pastor Lejeune talks about working for God so much? And the short answer is that God calls those who are saved to do His work. Can you turn over to Ephesians 2 quickly? Ephesians 2, verses we're familiar with, but uh, I really want to, to, to highlight, emphasize, point out what verse number 10 teaches. Now, you're not saved by works, but you're saved to works. Let me say that again. You're not saved by works, but you are saved to works. The day you got saved, you were made to do the work of God. He saved you anew and created you, made you a new creature for a specific work. And if you're not doing that work, then uh, you've been created to do work and you're being a complete waste. Look at verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, Brother Yankowski highlighted this for us in his class promo, not of works. And what's that mean? As far as your salvation goes, your works have nothing to do with you being saved. By the way, by the way, your works do not save you and your works do not keep you saved. You don't earn salvation by working hard. You don't keep salvation by working hard. Okay? God's grace saves you and God's grace maintains your salvation. This talk of, well, if I cross this line and I do this or that, then I'm going to lose my salvation. No, 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 no. Your works have nothing, nothing to do with your salvation. Nothing. You're saved by grace, and that salvation is kept by the power of God and by His grace. Look at verse 10. For we are, so you're saved now, right? You've been saved by grace through faith. It's not of your works. He did the work. You placed the faith. You got saved. Okay, now verse 10. For we are His workmanship. Look here, read the next phrase with me, ready? Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained, finish the verse with me, that we should walk in them. So God created you unto good works so that you would walk in those works. Now, I have taken uh, the work of the Christian and I have broken it up into three categories. All right, let me give them to you here. All right, first one is provisional. I'd encourage you to write these down. Provisional, okay? Um, God has called you to a provisional work, all right? That means you're to go to work and uh, earn the money necessary to be able to pay for the expenses of life, 
All right? And if you're here today and you're married, then you're a husband-wife team making that happen. Unfortunately, in the day and time we live, you just about need two full incomes to just get by, scrape by and live a middle-class life in, uh, in our uh, culture. All right? So uh, there is a work God's called you to. Now, the Bible teaches about the workplace. All right? The Bible talks about the workplace. And at the workplace, you should do a great job and live above reproach and show up early and work hard and uh, have a great attitude about it. All right? And so when we talk about a provisional work, it isn't just get, getting the money, gaining the money at a place of employment, but buying and maintaining necessities. All right? Uh, this uh, past week, I spent quite a bit of time doing some things around the home I live in to make it better, to improve it. Um, going out and buying things, right? There's grocery shopping, and there's maintenance of the home, and the cleaning of the yard, and the gutters, and the washing of the cars, and the vacuuming out of the cars, and uh, making sure that the kids' clothes uh, fit them okay, and making sure they have what they need for school, and making sure all those little material eyes uh, are dotted and T's are crossed. So uh, God calls us to be good stewards of these things, uh, provisional work. Let me give you another one, all right? There's relational Work. There's relational work. Uh, you need to work hard at maintaining a good culture in your family. All right? And that means that if you are a child, you work hard at obeying your parents or honoring your parents. If you are a wife, you do your best to make sure that you are nurturing and uh, admonishing your children. If you are a, a, a wife, uh, then you make sure you are revering and respecting and following your husband's lead. If you are uh, let's see, if you are a husband, you make sure you're honoring the Lord by being submissive to Him and loving your wife and leading her with a loving heart and uh, leading your home in a way that is honoring and pleasing to the Lord. That is a work. How about your neighbors, all right? You need to be a good neighbor. I felt a little convicted uh, this week. We got a car to put on our door from one of our next-door neighbors, and a neighbor I've not spoken to very much, and the title of it said, To Our Wonderful Neighbor. And I thought, well, who's loving their neighbor, the pastor or the guy who's not even church? The guy doesn't even go to church. And I've attempted to make some contact with him, but need to do better this next calendar year. You need to be a good neighbor. You need to love the, the neighbors in your neighborhood. Some of you have difficult neighbors. Love them anyway. Amen? Um, uh, but uh, how about your neighbor in the cubicle at work or uh, the neighbor that you pass uh, on the highway or the neighbor that just stands in front of you or behind you at the grocery store line? We need to be good neighbors, uh, co-workers. And these are relationships that we need to develop and work at. There's one more work that God has called each of us to, and that is an eternal work. And eternal work. And this is the advancement of the church program. By the way, God has chosen the church to advance his eternal cause. You say, I don't need the church. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You do need the church. Now, can you, can you advance the cause of the kingdom of heaven without the church? Uh, you can, but you can't do it well. All right? I can go out with a football, and I can throw the football up in the air and throw a pass to myself. All right, it's kind of clunky, doesn't look very good. But if I really want to play football, I need to join a team. And you can go out, you can hand out gospel tracts with no church affiliation, and you can tell people about Jesus. But listen, Jesus Christ purchased the church with his blood, and it is his plan to attack the gates of hell and advance the cause of Christ. And if you love Christ, then you will love his church. And you'll be faithful to his church. And you'll advance the church program. By the way, you'll prioritize the eternal kingdom above the provisional work. 
You'll, you'll prioritize eternal work over familial work. You see, it's not family first, then my faith. It's my faith first, and then my family, and I do my family with my faith. I wrap my family around my faith. I don't force my faith around my family. And eternal work. How about the gospel message? This is telling people about Jesus everywhere we go. Now, I'll be, I'll be very honest with you, all right? Between the provisional work, the relational work, and the eternal work, it's like juggling three balls. How many of you in here know how to juggle three balls? Anybody? Anybody do it? All right. A couple of you. All right. How many of you tried to juggle and you gave up a long time ago? All right. Okay. All right. I can keep three balls in the air for about 20 seconds and then one of them hits the ground. All right. And uh, sometimes um, uh, the two ball juggling where you throw it in the air and then pass the ball over here, and that's cheat, cheating juggling. You know, you, you got to do it with one hand. And two balls are easier to juggle than three. And sometimes we let the eternal ball drop to the ground and we keep providing for our family. Uh, We do the provisional work and we do the relational work and we let the eternal ball, the eternal work, hit the ground. And if that's you this year, I want to encourage you in 2023 to get the eternal ball up off the ground and advance the church program and advance the gospel message. Amen? Resolve to reflect. How have you done with your walk with God this year and your work with God this year? Number one, resolve to reflect. Number two, notice, resolve to reprioritize. Look at me at verse number 11 and 12, 1 Kings 19. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice. Now, after Elijah had spent some time in this cave on Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, God decided it was time for his servant to get a visual example of his out-of-balance life. So God used a visual illustration that was rather impressive. So what did God do? Um, There sits Elijah in the mouth of the cave, and God sends a strong tornado-style wind that caused some of the rocks to break. Imagine sitting there, and a tornado goes whipping by you, all right? Was that impressive to look at? Yes. Was God in in this sensationalism? No. So the tornado blows by, and then God sends an earthquake. Was that earthquake powerful? Probably. Was it sensational and impressive? (laughs) Most likely. Was God in the earthquake? No, he was not. And then God sends a fire. Again, I'm sure it was memorable, and I'm sure that Elijah felt a whole lot of emotions when he saw this fire roar past him. But was God in the fire? No. No, he was not. Then a still, small voice came. And that's where God was found. Elijah had just finished. Watch this now. Watch this now. Elijah had just finished performing sensational miracles. Tornado! 
earthquake, fire. God was trying to communicate to Elijah, your life is out of balance. You got the work down, you don't have the walk down. Let's take those two, work and walk, and let's talk about them here. Let's talk about them out of balance. Letter A, notice, work without walk. Work without walk. Now, I think this one described Elijah perfectly. I think this one describes many of us well. Elijah was busy doing the work of God and had no energy and time to walk with God effectively and sufficiently. God sent Elijah to the mount where the law was given so that he could reflect on his out-of-balance life and then reprioritize so that he could put things back in order. Some Christians are so involved doing God's work that they have neglected their walk. They work uh, the, the work of loving on their family, right? Uh, you love your family. You're always looking to do things to love on your family. And how can I let my wife know that I love her? How can I let my husband know that I'm on his team, I'm on his side? How can I make sure that my kids have what they need day by day? How can I make sure uh, that my family unit is strong and moving forward? Uh, some of you here are uh, working hard at uh, at going uh, to your place of employment and putting in a solid eight or nine hours and turning out quality work and being a good employee or a good employee then some of you have matured to the next step where you're not only doing provisional work and familiar work, relational work, but you're also doing eternal work. And you've jumped in here and you've gotten involved wholeheartedly in advancing the program of this church. Maybe you teach a life group or you serve in the bus ministry or you help out in our children's ministry or you help out working the sound booth or maybe you're an usher here. Maybe you're a deacon. Maybe you sing in the choir. You're doing the work of God, but you know that you aren't adequately walking with God. You're doing the work, but you know that you don't read your Bible like you ought to, and you know that you don't really pray like you ought to. In 2023, why don't you resolve to reprioritize the way Elijah needed to and put these things back in order? Letter B, let's look at the opposite extreme. Let's talk about walk without work. Walk without work. Then you have those who love, I mean, they love, love to walk with God. They read their Bible and pray seemingly all the time. We all know people like this, don't we? All right? You, you, you see their Bible, and I mean, they, their Bible is weathered. Right? They go through Bibles regularly. Um... They're, they're Bible nerds of sorts. I always know when I get around a Bible nerd. We get a handful of them sprinkled throughout the church here. And uh, about 30 seconds after we say our hellos, there's some deep theological question that just comes pouring out of them. And, and, and they're not asking me because they think I'm a, a wellspring of knowledge. They're asking me because it's a conversation starter. And they want to tell me, what they've been studying and reading and what they've learned. And, and, and they enjoy the, the banter. They enjoy the, the Bible knowledge back and forth. And I praise God for that. Their, their favorite place is their quiet place of Bible reading and personal worship. They oftentimes have prayer lists, Bible reading lists, and Bible study sheets. They are great at communicating with the Savior, but out of touch with the work that needs to be done. All right? 
Some, not all, some have the mentality that they will pray and others will work. I don't care if you're 18 or 88 or 98. That's a broken concept. All right? It's not enough to just read and pray and let other people do the work. God has called all of us to a work. All of us. Yes, you need to pray. And yes, you need to read and study the Bible. And yes, you should take copious notes. And yes, you should grow in the Lord. But if you don't give out and you only take in, then you will become a Dead Sea Christian. Pretty to look at. Fun to talk about. But completely worthless. Completely completely and practically worthless. Now let's talk about what these look like in balance. Notice, walk with my work. Walk with my work. By the way, I've said this, I'm going to repeat it here. If you are, let's see, if you're working for God without walking with God, you're going to burn out. You're going to burn out. People talk about burnout. Burnout comes when you're running 100 miles an hour doing the work of God and you're not spiritually resting by walking with God. All right? But if you walk with God and you don't work for God, then you're going to rust out. You're going to rust out. There's other people, man, they know everything, but they're not doing anything. They've got uh, atrophy, and uh, they're not doing the work with God. I don't want to be a Christian who burns out. I don't want to be a Christian who rusts out, all right? I want to be faithful, walking with God and working for God. I want to be that tree planted by the rivers of water in Psalm 1 for a lifetime, all right? And that only comes from walking with God and working for God. All right, so let's talk about uh, those in balance. All right, I'm going to give you, and we're going to put these up on the screen uh, for you. I'm going to give you some practical thoughts on how to maintain a balanced walk uh, with work. If you want something practical to put into action when you leave here this morning, get your pen out and get ready to write some things down. Number one, begin each morning by talking with God. Begin each morning by talking with God. Before your head even leaves the pillow, your conversation with the Lord should start. All right? I do two things every morning when I wake up. I roll over and I kiss my wife on the forehead. And the second thing I do is I talk with the Lord before my head ever leaves the pillow. I talk with the Lord. I make sure I thank Him for giving me another day to live. And I make sure He knows that I know I don't deserve the blessings He's given me in my life. I don't deserve any of it. All right? I'm living on His blessings. And I make sure he knows I'm grateful for that. I ask him to give me my daily provisions and needs. Right? Before your head ever even leaves your pillow, you take a few minutes and you talk with God. Number two, all right? read your Bible before you look at your phone. Read your Bible before you look at your phone. Some of you say, well, I read my Bible on my phone. Okay, then the first app you should open should be a Bible app. That's fine. All right? Read your Bible before you ever look at your phone. Did you know that uh, the social media companies, and I, I, I had said a couple months ago that I'm working on a sermon about cell phones, and I've done a lot of reading. I've read a couple of books. I've watched a couple of documentaries, and it's, there's a lot to unpack, and it's going to be a very controversial sermon. So um, I'm very carefully navigating this message. But I'll just share one little snip, snippet here. Um, the people who have developed the algorithms for social media are the first to admit that they want you looking at their app before you even use the bathroom in the morning. 
And if we're honest, I don't have social media, praise God, all right? Uh, Because um, I know it, it, would, it would control me, and I don't want anything but the Spirit of God to control me, all right? So I just, I've, I've backed completely away, and I'm not saying you should do that. That's just my personal choice. I'm not at all trying to ramrod that on you, okay? Uh, but um, if those of you who are on social media are honest, many of you do look at social media before you even use the restroom in the morning or while you're using the restroom in the morning. Is your face in the Bible before it's in Facebook or Twitter or Instagram? You see, if we're going to have our walk and our work balanced, then we should be more concerned about what God has to say to us than what our neighbors and friends have posted on their timelines. So you should read your Bible before you even look at your phone. Am I preaching where you're living this morning? Number three, number three, okay? Talk, let's see, talk with the Lord while you read the Bible. Talk with the Lord while you read the Bible. Uh, I make it a habit to pray a short prayer before I start my Bible reading each day. And I'll say something like, Lord, give me from your word the spiritual nutrients I need for today. But then while I'm reading, if God is communing to my heart, I will stop and have a conversation with the Lord about what I'm reading. All right? Number four, as you serve your family, ask God for wisdom. As you serve your family, ask God for wisdom. Some of you here aren't married. You're single adults. You still have parents, I would assume, or siblings or nephews, nieces, aunts, uncles. And so uh, that would apply to you as well. But as you serve your family, ask God for wisdom. Number five, all right? Allow the Spirit of God to dictate your own spirit. Allow the Spirit of God to dictate your own spirit. All of us get put in situations that are uncomfortable. All of us have those times where our spirit gets sideways. You know what I'm talking about. I had a a day last week, I think, where something happened early in the morning that got my spirit turned sideways. And it was 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It had been several hours after that event had happened. And I still was having a hard time getting my spirit back on track. And I looked at Angela and I said, I just can't get this thing straight. I can't get this thing turned around. And I had to just stop and say, Lord, I need your spirit to take over my spirit and put me back on track. The reality was that day I did not live my life with the spirit of God in charge. I lived with my spirit in charge. And as a result... I had a hard time not being sideways with people, not being negative, all right? Not seeing the glass half empty. Ask the Spirit of God to dictate your own spirit. May His fruits out of Galatians 5 come poking through to anyone that looks at you. Number six, before you begin a task, take a moment and ask God for His wisdom. Before you begin a task, take a moment and ask God for His wisdom. Lord, I'm getting ready to... um, Take a trip to the store. Give me your wisdom that I buy only what I should buy. Give me wisdom that I uh, don't uh, indulge in things I shouldn't get. Lord, I'm getting ready to go in and have a conversation with my child over their behavior. Give me your wisdom that I handle this in a way that will bring them back closer to me and bring them closer to you. Lord, I'm getting ready to have a difficult conversation with someone at work. Lord, uh, help me to uh, handle this as you would handle it. And so take a minute before you begin any and every task, no matter how mundane it is, and ask God for his wisdom. Number seven, have both a prayer time and a prayer life. 
have both a prayer time and a prayer life. Some people say, I don't need a prayer time. I have a prayer life. I'd say you need both. You need both. All right, it's fine to stop and talk to God throughout the day. It's, it's fine to stop and talk to God throughout the day, but you know you also need to take 15, 20, 30, 40 minutes to put your phone away, turn your computer off, get away from all electronics and people, and get alone with God. You need that time. You need that time. And some of you are more astute and alert in the morning. Some of you need to do that after you get your coffee. All right? That's fine. Some of you are more alert and able to pray in the evening. But you need a time where you talk with the Lord. Number eight. Lastly, end your day in prayer. End your day in prayer. If you're married, let me encourage you to pray with your spouse before you go to sleep. All right? If you're single or your spouse isn't spiritual, and that applies to many of you here, then as you fall asleep, let the last words out of your mouth be your conversation with the Lord. It ought to be that on a regular basis, you fall asleep in the middle of your prayer. All right? All right? And uh, you're praying and talking to the Lord. Next thing you know, you're completely out. All right? You say, isn't that rude? I don't think God minds. I really don't. I think he probably finds it kind of sweet that you would end your day with your last words on your lips or in your heart being to him. Walk with my work. I remember as a boy, I got my first job working for Reeves Peach Farm in Hartsell, Alabama. I was uh, 13 years old, and I was hired. And um, day one on the job, it was still February or March, and it was still a little chilly outside. And I remember uh, working in a greenhouse where we were preparing strawberry plants and flats that would be transported into the earth outside once it got warmed up. And I remember I was in there uh, working my first day on the job, and my history and Bible teacher, his name was David Talley, now a pastor in Maryland, uh, but there in Alabama, I was working alongside of him, and I got busy. He, I love Mr. Talley, Pastor Talley now, um, my favorite teacher I ever had in, high, in, in school ever, made a big impression on my life, and I, so I just thought the world of this guy, and uh, he would work there after school hours, and I'm in there day one working, and, and I'm working, and I got distracted, and I started talking to him, and I'm on the clock, and I'm getting paid, but I'm not doing a lot of working, I'm doing a lot of, of, of talking, I'm doing a lot of walking, but not a lot of working, and I remember he said this to me, and I want to say this to you today, okay? Here's the phrase he used with me that day. It stuck with me all these years. And this phrase ought to define your Christian living. All right, here it is. Ready? Ready? Work while you talk. Work while you talk. All right? While you're walking with the Lord, get to work. And while you're working for the Lord, walk with the Lord. Work while you talk. All right? And so those two need to be in balance. Number one, resolve to reflect Number two, resolved to reprioritize. Number three, resolved to revive. Resolved to revive. Look at verse 13 of 1 Kings 19. The Bible says, And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets.
sword, and I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Satan had gotten God's man to fall in the most brutal trap. Satan had convinced Elijah that he was all alone. He was all alone. He was the only one that cared. Elijah had slept, eaten food prepared by an angel, taken a 40-day trip to the mountain of Moses, seen God do some sensational things, and had been spoken to by the still, small voice of God's Spirit. And after all this, Elijah still wanted to quit on God's calling for his life. He buried his face in his, in his coat. He walked out of his hiding place. And God said to him, What are you doing here? What are you still doing here? And Elijah proceeded to tell God that he was lonely. He was lonely. You know what Elijah needed? He needed to be spiritually revived or spiritually brought back to life. And as we reflect and reprioritize... All of that is vain unless God breathes His breath of revival on us. Most spiritual New Year's resolutions fall short because they're done through the power of our flawed flesh. We try to improve ourselves and we fail every single time. Notice this, notice this statement. The Christian life is not about self-improvement, but about self-abandonment. The Christian life is not about self-improvement. It's about self-abandonment. You cannot do it. You can't. No matter how hard you try, that obstacle in your life, that struggle in your life, that hardship in your life, you cannot do it through your flesh. You cannot accomplish a spiritual sanctification through the power of a sinful flesh. Too often times, Christians who are faithful churchgoers think, if I just try harder, I can overcome. And you can't. And you fail. And you fail. And you fail. But what happens is when we abandon the flesh and we submit to the Spirit and we say to God, I will follow your Spirit's leading into spiritual victory and I will overcome sin, not through my own self-will, but through the following of the Spirit, God does some incredible things. That's where revival is born. Our marriages are taken to another level. Our work relationships are taken to another level. Uh, Our church ministries and those in them are taken to another level. Uh, uh, Everything and everyone we touch has the power of God affected in some way or another. This is why the psalmist said in 85.6, he said, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? The best reflection and reprioritization efforts done through your own strength will at best fall and at worst give you a false pretense of measured success. God does not want you to thrive or even try to thrive through the power of your flesh. God wants you to abandon your best laid plans and He wants to work a work through you until He can make you into the image of Jesus Christ. Resolve to reflect. Resolve to reprioritize. Resolve to revive. How about number four? Resolve to recommit. Resolve to recommit. Some of you spiritually disengaged in 2022. 
and you need to spiritually re-engage. You need to recommit. You need to get back in the race. You need to be wholeheartedly behind God's calling. Quickly here, letter A, notice, commitment involves my actions. Look at verse 15. And so God makes sure that uh, he knows, listen, there are 7,000 that have not bowed the knee. In fact, we're going to look at that uh, passage uh, here in just a moment. But God makes sure that he knows that. And he says, now listen, uh, it's time for you uh, to, to, to get off of your hiatus and get off of your sabbatical. And listen, you've had a 40-day journey. You've been fed by angels. You've got plenty of sleep. You've seen my sensational acts. You heard my still small voice. You know you're not alone. Get back in the fight. I've got a work for you to do, Elijah. Look at verse 15. And the Lord said unto him, notice the action verbs here, go, all right, time to get back to work. Go, return on the way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint uh, Haziel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of uh, Nimshai, should, uh, shalt thou anoint, anoint, notice the action verb, to be king over, uh, uh, over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shapheth of uh, Abel uh, Meholah, shalt thou anoint, anoint, to be prophet in thy room. You need, some of you here need to commit to get back in the fight, to get back in the work, to get back to being faithful to church. Some of you here have dropped off on Wednesday evenings and you need to get back to come to church on Wednesday night. Some of you dropped off Sunday evenings, you need to get back in being faithful in church on Wednesday, uh, Sunday evenings. Some of you used to be involved in Great Commission Saturday. By the way, that starts up this Saturday at 9.30 a.m. You need to get back in the fight. You need to recommit in 2023 that you're going to uh, get out of the cave and get out of your pity party and get out of, uh, of, of your struggle and you're going to get back up and you're going to get back in and you're going to go and return and do the work of the Lord. Resolve to recommit. Number uh, Letter B. Notice, uh, committed, commitment involves not only my actions, but my attitude. My attitude. Look at verse 18. Yet have I, God says to Elijah, yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphath, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth, and Elijah passed by him and cast his mantle upon him. God shared with Elijah that there were 7,000 additional Israelites that had stayed true to the faith. You know what he's saying to Elijah? No. Uh-uh. Nope. You're not alone. Elijah? Elijah? You're not alone. Elijah, adjust your attitude. My dad used to tell me when I was a kid, he'd say, Richard, lose the tude. Lose the tude. All right? Um, some of us need to lose the tude. All right? We've got a, an attitude that's sideways. Now, I know that this is a sub-point under the final point, And you're ready for me to finish the sermon so you can go home or you can go out to eat. All right? I get that, but for some of you, this is the single most important point that could be made. Many of you will never, ever have the walk with God or do the work of God because your attitude will keep you from it. Pastor, I can't buy into reading my Bible every day because... Pastor, I can't buy into everything the Bible says because. 
Pastor, I tried praying, but I can't be consistent because. Pastor, I can't help in the nursery because. Pastor, I can't serve in the bus ministry because. Pastor, I can't teach a life group because. Pastor, I can't share my faith with others because. Pastor, I can't help out with church ministries because. Now, for Elijah, it was the lie of isolation. Everybody listen up. Dial in. I'm right at the end of my notes. But I want your undivided attention for just a few more seconds, a few more moments. What lie has Satan sold you as to why you can't do the work of God? And why you can't walk with God? What excuse are you giving that stems from a bad attitude? You see, Elijah was not going to leave the mouth of that cave and get back in the fight until he changed his attitude. And some of you in here have an attitude that is going to stand between you and becoming who God wants you to be in 2023. And until that mindset changes, until that attitude is altered, until you pursue wholeheartedly the mind of Christ, 2023 is going to be a broken record of 2022 and 2021 and 2020. Some of you here today, the decision you need to make in the next few minutes, it's not balance. It's an attitude change. Because until you get your attitude changed, you're not going to find that balance. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Are you resolved? Are you resolved? Will you resolve to reflect back on the last year? Will you resolve to reprioritize what things are out of balance? Will you resolve to revive self-abandonment instead of self-improvement? Will you resolve to recommit? Give your actions and give your attitude to the Lord. I'm preaching to people today. Some of you have been coming to church for a few weeks. Some of you, this is your first week. Many of you have grown up in church your whole life. Whether it's week one or week 10,000, we all have things from the message today that we can take away from and do better. Why don't you take a moment right now and ask God to show you where you need to make a resolution where you need to be resolved. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed.